What are some of the top threats healthcare CISOs and their organizations are dealing with? I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Michael Prackey, CISO at Adventist Healthcare in Maryland. So, Michael, many of the health data breaches that we continue to see in healthcare involve phishing, ransomware, and other cyber attacks. What's your take on these trends, and how big of an issue have these threats been for your organization this year? There have been approximately an up-to-date about over 220 data breaches affecting over 6 million individuals. That's according to Healthy Human Services, OCR's data breach portal. And it's just been this for this year. As you know, any organization is required to report any breach affecting more than 500 individuals to the OCR, and they, it's readily available on the website for anyone to view. I don't really view this report as a wall of shame, as they tend to call it, but rather as an example of what can happen and as a teaching moment. And I use it in my fishing and security training as well as to, hey, let's look and see what happens. Uh, this is what happens, and this is very common. As I recently read uh, in the Kaspersky report, which came out not so long ago, it, it stated that ransomware attacks are searching for more profitable activities. So the ransomware used to be the go-to method for uh, cyber criminals to engage and to uh, attack, and uh, they would lock your systems and ask for a ransom. But rather than ransomware, now we're seeing more of cryptojacking. In another report that I read some weeks ago from a company, Kryptonite, I believe they're based in Maryland as well, they have found that ransomware occurrences are dwindling, or as they put it, they're rapidly vanishing. And that's not something that we really hear much. And the cryptocurrency mining is starting to take its place. So this is something we have to keep an eye on as an emerging and increasing threat. And everybody knew what cryptocurrency is and mining cryptocurrency and what this is is an illegal way of mining cryptocurrency by using somebody else's device. And cryptojacking in itself is uh, just using somebody else's computer and getting a, a victim or a user to click on a malicious link and which loads the crypto mining code on the computer and infects it. And then they use that machine graphics power and electricity that it uses to actually mine cryptocurrency. For Ransomware, it takes some time to develop the malware to deliver the ransomware itself, not to mention to actually get this ransomware to the user. In the past uh, one or two years, we've seen large infections of ransomware from WannaCry, from Petya, not Petya. The payouts are lucrative, but they have been becoming smaller and smaller based on several reports that I've been seeing, while cryptojacking is not as time-consuming or as difficult and it would infect on vulnerable web- websites or with a mining program, and every visitor will get it installed in their computer, and they wouldn't even know. And then one of the things that I thought about is to why would this really be important. It doesn't lock your files. It doesn't really install malware per se. But what it really does is slows down the user's machine. And for a regular user, it may not be a big problem, but if you're a data center uh, and you have all these crypto mining software running, it may cause electrical issues, blackouts, brownouts, and that's due to the increased power consumption. And for us in the healthcare sector, you know, that could be a provider's data center, it could be our data center, and which eventually means that access to our EHR, EMR, or any kind of uh, records or anything that we have stored in the data center could be slow to a crawl. Now, this for us or any hospital would mean no difference between life and death. So that's where the importance of it comes in. So that is what um, really kind of focusing on and researching and and looking to see what are the ways to really protect us against the next threat, which is 
I believe, is the, the cryptocurrency in itself and the crypto mining, the legal crypto mining. So, Michael, with that all said, what's your advice in terms of how healthcare entities, including your own, can minimize becoming a victim of these sorts of attacks? Well, there's obviously there are ways to protect ourselves. I obviously I don't consider crypto mining as an important uh, or as a real serious factor. Just like we looked at uh, ransomware last year or a year before, where locks your files and does not really allow patient care. For crypto mining itself, uh, we you know we can always check on the CPU and GPU computer devices in the browser, and that can be done via in you know, a group policy. We just keep our patches up to date, malware programs, antiviruses up to date. Make sure we block crypto mining plugins in the browsers, and we also have to let the users know to let us know if something pops up, something happens, something that they see. But mostly it's all JavaScript, and we want to make sure that we scan against it, and we want to make sure we protect against that. It's that new risk that everybody thinks is not really a big deal as they're used to seeing malware, ransomware, computers are not responding, seeing that screen of payment is required. This is a, a silent malware that will slow down your day. It's, it's really important, you know, in the healthcare, you have to get your records when you have to get them. You can't really wait specifically when patient care is involved. So, Michael, what are some of the best practices as well as some of the key security technologies that you think can help protect healthcare organizations becoming victims of these sorts of incidents, but also phishing, since that's often a vector for these sorts of attacks? Well, for healthcare organizations, to really reduce the risk of any cyber attack, data breach, or account takeovers, it is really imperative to implement things like MFA or multi-factor authentication, whether it's partial only for dedicated high-risk users or conditional based on their activity or behavior. It all acts as an additional layer of defense. You know, I've always believed in layered approach, and it is just as important to make sure that we keep that, we keep those layers with the user being uh, the first line of defense, and then we have to have some technical controls to back up the user in case of phishing attack, and that is where most of this comes in anyway. One of the interesting things in the, that I've noticed, too, in the recent data from, uh, there's an anti-phishing company report from Fish Labs that came out, nearly 50% of all phishing sites now showing a little padlock security icon next to the domain name in the browser which really means that the cyber criminal has invested into purchasing an SSL certificate for the domain. It's been said for a while in, in terms of user education, and I remember somebody even saying that at the conference once, and you see that SSL line, you, you see that the browser and the, the domain is protected by the SSL certificate, more likely than not, it is safe because criminals are not investing into it. But this has changed. This really means that the more cyber criminals are now registering their domains and paying for their SSL certificates, which is something that was not happening as often before. But as I said, nearly 50% of all phishing sites this, just this year have been displaying this. So this is one of the trends we should really keep an eye on. And continued education, obviously, is a must. It should be a priority. The end users, their question should be, what's in it for me, really? So the healthcare organizations, they have nurses, payroll, radiologists, they have EAs, and we must stress the importance of security at work and at home so that the employees can really apply all this knowledge that we lay upon them every year or however often the security education is done on onboarding and not so they can use this not just at work but at home as well. 
And, and finally, I think it's important to focus on basic cybersecurity hygiene as well. As I mentioned, w- without this, you will overcomplicate the real IT environment. And I can't stress this enough. You know, vendors are pushing for new solutions all the time, promising impenetrable networks and devices and sandboxes and all kinds of things. Well, most of the attacks come from failure to follow basic cybersecurity hygiene principles. And finally, Michael, looking ahead to next year, what is your top security priority right now? What will you be focused on? I think for us, the, there are a lot of things, a lot of trends, a lot of different emerging technologies that are coming out. As most smaller or non, uh, non-profit or to smaller to mid-sized healthcare organizations, we tend to try and make sure we improve upon something that we have. So and those are the basic security functions. Doing basic things well is the priority for us, making sure that we follow the things that we have in place now and improve upon it, make sure we are doing all we can on that front. Because as I said, most of the attacks are coming from phishing, people clicking on attachments and links, and that's where most of the things are coming in. It is not coming in anymore as it was before through the firewall. So the firewall will help you as a layered approach, but it will not prevent most of the things that are coming or trying to come into your network. But looking ahead, there are a lot of different emerging technologies that I'd love to look at, depending on uh, the interest, obviously, of the organization and the budget, such as hardware authentication. It could be an interesting concept, and this is something that's promised to dedicate a portion of the chipset. I think the Intel is working on it for security functions, you know, to aid in the authentication process. Authentication is obviously important. Make sure that uh, the right user is connecting with what they know, what they have, and then multi-factor authentication. And lastly, what I would really look forward to in implementing is user behavior analytics, uh, because I think it will be crucial for organizations to recognize malicious behavior and activity that something that raised red flags with the security team to let us know if somebody logged in from somewhere within a certain period of time, impossible travel, things like that. The user behavior analytics is something that, that would let us know something is happening that we would not know otherwise. So some of these things are going to happen next year. Thanks, Michael. I've been speaking to Michael Prackey. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-Begee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.